Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these. I'm David. I'm Tyler. Um, I'm realizing, okay, we're, this isn't a Patreon. I forgot. We're, we're, we're zooming and I can see you, but I forgot that the listeners can't. There's no admirals, admiral level of Patreon. If you want to see us do our Patreons, uh, sign up at patreon.com slash battleship pretension. Mm-hmm. But, um, I always talk about the video quality and how, how yours is better than mine. I don't know why it took me so long to realize this is an old ass laptop that I'm on. Yes, That's it why it is. I was like, why is my, my apartment always looks like kind of green. And I realized, uh, yeah, we've had this laptop forever. Yeah. Works fine. So, yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm quite impressed by it actually. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And this is a, a new ass computer, uh, in, right. uh, I'm, I'm, uh, recording in Jen's office and all the stuff there has by the nature of the business has to be, uh, pretty recent. So, yeah, well, we're going to keep using this old ass laptop, uh, as long as we can. Till, so till the wheels come off. Yeah. So just so you know, if you join our Patreon, none of your money will go to Tim cook unless absolutely necessary. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Right. So. Uh, well, let's talk about movies. I've got, uh, I've got four, you've got two. So let's just jump right in. This will probably be a short episode. Our, our last journal was on the longer side. Yeah. So this will be a, a short one. And I will start by saying, Tyler, I have seen a 2022 release. Oh, that's exciting. So that means I currently have a best film of 2022 and mm-hmm. a worst film of 2022. Yes. Which and one what is I'll that? Say, uh, okay. Yeah. A year from now, Simon Kinberg's The 355 won't be my <laughs> sure. best film of the year. Yes, it might yes. be my worst film of 2022. It's it, good to get that out of the way early. It is... Com- I, I, I don't want to be too mean, but it is completely useless. It's a worthless movie <laughs> that goes on for two hours and two minutes and never makes any argument in favor of its own existence. Mm. It feels um, completely phoned in. You've got all these great actors, uh, you know, um, and you can see them in the movie. Like you can see, like I've always liked Diane Kruger and you can, you can feel Diane Kruger, like almost, looking around the movie for something to grab onto to make a character out of this. Yeah. But there's nothing. It's got this, uh, phoned in like half baked MacGuffin type plot. We got to get this thing that the bad guys want or whatever. Um, the, which is usually fine. MacGuffins are fine because there's something to build suspense and action around the suspense and action are, just so subpar, absolutely bottom of the barrel level, uh, uh, action choreography and photography. And there's got, it does the, like the, like Paul Greengrass born movie, like shaky handheld cam thing, but it does it in a way that I swear it feels like an after effect. It feels like 
no, they shot this with like a steady cam right. and then like in post-production made the camera shake because there's like oh, a boy. part where there's a part where before they like team up Jessica Chastain and, and uh, Diane Kruger are, are fighting and like there's a shot. There are multiple things in this movie that I like laughed at that I was not supposed to, but there's a shot like in the middle of the fight and then they're like, they kick each other. Like they're on the opposite sides of the room and the camera like turns to Jessica Chastain and is holding on her, but is still like shaking for some reason. It's like, well, I don't understand. Does like the, is, is the, is the cameraman. Okay. <laughs> the cameraman maybe needs some, is it blood sugar low or, or something? <laughs> uh, and, and then it just, it, it, it drones on, um, it, to the point that, and then the, the <laughs> there's lines, it's full of lines like, we could do this the hard way, or we could do this the easy, or the easy way, or the hard, whatever. Like, they're just like phoned in lines. And then there's a part near the end. I guess I'm going to spoil that they save the world. Okay. I'm sorry. I spoiled that they save the world. But there's a part uh, near the end where after they've saved the world, they're like, on the side of the, on the, on the sidewalk, on the other side of the street, there's like a family walking with a, like a stroller and Diane Kruger says like, look at them just going about their lives. They have no idea how close we came. <laughs> and like, I laughed out loud. Uh, that's the only thing, I guess the only thing this movie was good for is a couple of chuckles, but not worth two hours and two minutes of, uh, of my time. Um, wait, how long? Two hours and two minutes. Oh, okay. For, uh, for a moment, I thought you said two hours and 20 minutes. Don't be wrong. Two hours, anything over a hundred minutes for this movie is too long. But, uh, but yeah, I, for a moment, because everything skews so long these days that I wouldn't yeah. have been surprised no, if no. it was 220. I mean, it feels longer than yeah. the, oh God, uh, I, I'm like trying not to spoil the 355. That's how much like spoilers have like gotten in my head. Okay. I won't say the thing I was going to say, cause it is a, a, a spoiler, but there's a, there's a scene near the end that just goes on forever. And I feel like they, Simon Kinberg, like feels like he's doing like a, the denouement of like a bond or a born sure. movie where like the movie at this point is just coasting on all of uh, all the stakes and the tension that it's built up, but it never has. So it's just completely, dead in the water it's hmm. becalmed and it just goes <laughs> on forever um yeah i uh, i i try not to be this overtly mean i think young in my younger critic days i got like a kick out of like tearing a movie down or whatever um i don't get that kick anymore but sometimes i i feel like i have to i just have to be honest and, and yeah. like i i didn't enjoy a single second of this movie on its own merits. Well, as you know, uh, the thing that, that tends to bother me the most is wasted opportunity um, and wasted resources. And it's like, that's a great cast. You, you know, like, and this is the movie that you're using uh, for them and use yeah. it uh, using, using them in. And uh, that just seems like such a, such a shame like those talents should be going in a bit in a better direction. It's like what you were saying, like anytime a, a well-known director like winds up making a Marvel movie or really any kind of like big franchise films, like on one hand, yes, they're probably going to make that franchise a little better, but that time 
they're not going to get that back another we that time could have been yeah. spent making a, a movie that is vaguely substantial <laughs> yeah. and uh it sounds like not that simon kinberg is that guy but those actresses definitely uh you know could, their their efforts yeah. could be better used elsewhere yeah, they, 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 it's Jessica Chastain and Diane Kruger ones, ones I mentioned, but it's also yeah. Lupita Nyong'o and Penelope Cruz and yeah. Fan Bing Bing, um, who I didn't like know much about. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, she's not good in the movie because no one's good in the movie. But in addition, uh, you've also got um, Sebastian Stan, who yeah. I have liked before, even though I, I feel like he's in a lot of movies that I don't like. Mm-hmm but I have liked him before. Uh, and Edgar Ramirez, another guy who I have liked before, but seems to yeah. be in a lot of crap, unfortunately. But um, I just realized it just occurred to me that Edgar Ramirez and Jessica Chastain are both in zero dark 30, a little bit of a reunion. There. Oh, yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, well, from a looking, cause I'm looking at my letterbox diary from a half star movie to a five star movie. Wow. Uh, I watched a, a film from Georgia, the country. Oh, okay. That uh, if you if you travel in the circles that I do, you've probably seen it on a number of top ten lists this year. It's called "What Do We See When We Look at the Sky?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, like I said, five star movie. I found this movie um, very bewitching, but also this is a movie that I chuckled at repeatedly despite it being you know an overtly like art house type film i chuckled at it repeatedly and not in the way that i did in the 355 like it has funny stuff in it uh the the plot of the movie is that two strangers a man and a woman have like two meet cutes in the same day and it's love at first sight and they decide let's meet up let's have an actual date tomorrow at this cafe at this time they go to bed and what they don't know is that something some sort of force or entity has put a curse on them they go to bed they wake up looking different Hmm. so like the it's a different actor and actress at the beginning than it is for most of the movie um so obviously when they go to the cafe the next day they each think they've been stood up and so then but they're so sure that this was love at first sight that they just decide to keep hanging around this area until they see each other they get new jobs or whatever uh and and uh so it's a it's a it's a lot it's a two and a half hour movie but I'd take this two and a half hours over the two hours and two minutes and three fifty five any day. This uh, flew by actually because it's actually very fun uh, to watch. Uh, but it's a two and a half hour movie that's kind of like a uh, hangout movie. Just people like taking uh, not very demanding jobs and doing them all day as a reason to like hang out near this cafe in the hopes of seeing the person they know in their bones is their one true love. Hmm. Um, so it's, it, it's mostly hanging out, but then it also has these diversions because it takes place during, I don't know, I'm not sure what year, but it, during a, the world cup, um, because it becomes a plot point because the cafe like puts up a projector to show soccer games, uh, outside to attract people. And there's like a whole, um, and now I've forgotten the name of the Georgian city it takes place in, uh, 
Oh, good. It's on Letterboxd. Kutaisi. Uh, I'm not sure that's how, how you say it. Um, there's the, the movie is narrated by the director and he has these like asides about like, here are the most popular places that people gather to watch football, meaning soccer, but you know, football games uh, in, in Kutaisi. And then he shows like there's a lot of stray dogs and he like starts giving them names and talking about which ones are friends and where each of the dogs likes to watch soccer. <laughs> uh, so like there's these funny, uh, uh, asides, but, um, I, I, I tend to, th- this time of year, I, sometimes I kick myself for like not getting so much stuff during the, the year that I have to, cram it all into like you know the end of december and whenever you and i do our top 10 episode i'm cramming all these like acclaimed movies together and sometimes i get like i'm like why did i do that to myself i should have seen these things earlier but uh the good part of it is it's is it like watching a bunch of like the most acclaimed movies from the same year in proximity allows me to like keep them in my mind together and like compare them you know and i talked just last week on the journal about the worst person in the world and the way that it was about the struggle of trying to like, uh, be young and happy in turbulent times. And, uh, what we do, what we, I can't remember the, what we see when we look at this, what do we see when we look at the sky is very much sometimes in its allegory, but sometimes in the voiceover very overtly about like, is it when when the world is at its own throat and uh, there are terrible things happening, human rights abuses happening, is it okay to just like go about your life for a little bit? You know, like, and I don't mean like it's arguing that it is, it actually is having that conflict that quest the movie is having that 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 conflict uh that the question of uh, uh of is it okay what will i how will i account in the future for how i behaved while um our freedoms were threatened or whatever it is sure. you know uh uh is it okay that i you know focused on just getting my job done and trying to meet someone and 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 watching soccer, like getting excited about soccer, you know, it's not soccer for me, but it's movies and it's hockey and and other stuff like that. Uh, it, it poses all these questions, but it also does. So in, um, a, I use the word bewitching. There's it's a formerly very intoxicating movie. There's a, the sound design is such that I don't think this is literally how it was made, but there are, there are parts of the movie where I wouldn't be surprised to learn that, everything was shot MOS and everything I'm hearing is a sound effect or ADR because Hmm. it seems to be at times it's often very specific with what you do hear and what you don't hear. You might hear, you might not hear the wind, but you hear two glasses clinking together, you know, or, or you, you might not hear, uh, uh, a footstep when you hear a page turning in a notebook or like things like that. It, it seems to be very specific with what you do and more specifically what you don't hear in terms of sound effects on the, uh, on the soundtrack. Um, yeah, uh, I'm absolutely in love with this movie and it's, I'm under its spell. <laughs> okay. So 
I'm going to, I'm going to use what you're saying to transition into, into my film, because it's, it's, it's interesting that it, this one in a way goes the other way. Not that it, not that it would guilt you for spending time on, you know, the, the seemingly, uh, mundane, uh, or, or, uh, trivial, but that it, it really, explores this idea of like, why are we spending time on this? Why are we doing the things that we're doing? Why, why do we hurt people? Why do we spend time doing stuff that doesn't matter to us? Um, and so, uh, and that's one of the reasons that I love it. And the movie is Michael Sarnowski's pig, um, a movie that is touted as though it were John wick and, and boy, it is not, but in all the best ways, um, there's nothing wrong with John wick, but you know, here you have Nicholas cage who plays a guy who like lives off by himself, uh, in a small shack in the woods outside of, uh, Portland, I believe. And he just lives with his pig and they hunt for truffles and he sells them to, uh, uh, uh a young man played by, uh, Alex Wolf, whose job it is to sell like high end ingredients to restaurants. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, some people break in and steal Nicholas Cage's pig. And so he has to try and fi- find out who took the pig. And there's a few there's, you know, and it's like, well, the, the pig is definitely like, it's a big part of his, his life. It's a big part of his, of his job and his, his uh, job doesn't sound right, but just his, his livelihood. Um, but also he clearly like cares about it and the pig is shot quite loving, lovingly and all that. Um, and so, you know, it's like, Oh, someone killed John wicks dog. Somebody stole Nicholas cage's pig. And so like mm-hmm. he, the number of people that he goes to saying like, where's my pig and stuff like that. It's, it's kind of amusing, but what I love about, it, and I almost don't want to go into, I won't go into too much detail, but I will say that every time things are set up, and you think he's going to go in a John wick direction, which is to say a violent direction. He does. I'm going to say the, the exact opposite. He, you know, the, the, the tagline for the film is we don't get a lot of things to really care about. And it's something that he says to Mm -hmm. someone and what he does is every time I mean, I guess it only happens a few times, but like every time he encounters someone, the way that he disarms them is to appeal to their humanity or that their forgotten humanity. And it's really astonishing to see, like, it's not on one hand, it could be, it's like, he's shaming them, but it's not even that it, he's reminding them of like, what, what are you, what are you even doing here? Like, you know, and he doesn't say this, but that's, it's what's implied. It's like, you know, this isn't what you want to be doing with your life or to another person. Like, you know that. So, but you've forgotten because all this other stuff has, has gotten in the way and, and the scenes where he is confronting someone about something specific, or sometimes he's just hinting at it. The scenes are absolutely electric. And I think that Nicholas Cage does such a great job of a man of conveying a man who looks menacing. And again, in a, in a lesser movie, he would be menacing in the traditional sense, but, in, but here he is, he's 
this philosophical figure who is certainly not perfect uh, himself, but he has a perspective on life uh, due to loss, uh, similar again to John Wick, that um, that other characters seem to have 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 misplaced. And it goes back again to what I'm saying is like because he's experienced this loss, he becomes acutely aware of the things that he does love that are still in his life and the things that he got rid of because he realized in the face of loss, what's even the point of, of this. And he's essentially just going through life, reminding other people of that. And it's, it's a, it's such a fascinating film. It's one that I found so refreshing because it was teed up to be, Hey, I, I like John wick. I love the limey. Like it's, it's Mm. teed up to be one of those kinds of movies. And it still has the feel of one of those kinds of movies. Like, the when he talks there are a couple people that like when he talks to them it's just as devastating as if he had like shot them in the knee or something <laughs> uh and it's such a boy it's such a fascinating movie and one i did not expect um and i'm i'm so happy it exists and i believe it's the director's first film and i'm so excited to see where he goes after uh, this well i uh, I, I plan to watch it this weekend so hopefully we'll talk we'll talk about it two movie journals in a row uh if i Oh, maybe it's not his plan. Oh no, I guess he co-directed. Oh no, those these are short films. Never mind. Yeah, so this I think this might be his his first uh, his first feature. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, "What's your secret?" Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear aligners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Yeah. But anyway, okay, so what's what's up next for you? Oh, I got two more. Okay, so um, new movie out this weekend. Um, or, uh, it's uh the new film from adam leon who made give me the loot a movie that i absolutely loved uh if i you know we did you can you could uh listeners you can still if you haven't yet you can buy our book about the uh uh best the 101 best movies of the 2010s um i don't have a personal list of 101 best movies of the 2010s if i did give me the loot would be on it uh, and then he made a follow-up called Tramps that I uh, also really liked. So I was very excited for his newest movie called Italian Studies. And uh, yeah, it, it it didn't disappoint. In fact, it delighted because it finds Adam Leon definitely holding on to a lot of his essential DNA, but going off in a little bit more of an... Uh, uh, a fractured impressionistic type of way, because this is a movie about, so it starts in London, actually it takes place in New York for the most part, like all of Adam Leon's movies so far do, but it starts off in, in, in London where Vanessa Kirby is uh, working as like, she's like a music producer or something. And she, she steps out to the studio to have a cigarette. And there's like a young, um, young woman, uh, put by Maya Hawk, Ethan Hawk's daughter. Um, not really important, but anyway, uh, and she's like, Oh, we've, we've met before we met in New York. And at first that's like, Kirby is like, I don't 
have any memory of what you're talking about. And then we go back, we go back to New York and we, and we go through this. There was a night that she had like a disassociative episode, like about mm-hmm. of amnesia and spent an entire, uh, like almost 24 hour period wandering around New York city, met the, the, this, <clears throat> this guy named Simon played by an uh, actor named Simon Brickner, who's fantastic. And it, this is where we get into the very Adam Leon thing. The, the, the idea of these New York people who uh, are scraping by, however they can, who are very uh, loquacious and charming, even if they're a little bit, maybe on the scumbaggy side. Um, that's, that's the Adam Leon thing. Uh, um and 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 so v- Vanessa Kirby spends the entire movie with them, but then Adam Leon, because this is a memory, he also cuts in. There are scenes that she's not in, or there are also more documentary type scenes of interviews with the actor. I get the impression a lot of the young people in this movie that Vanessa Kirby ends up hanging out with are not professional actors, and there are. are interviews it's Vanessa Kirby's character interviewing these people and those are cut in and it 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 uh uh it it jumps it, it jumps around it has a it, it feels very I mean his movies have always been subjective but this feels especially um subjective to the point where you can't even trust it you, you know you can't trust that what you're seeing is is real it's a fantastic performance from Vanessa Kirby um an actress that I uh really uh, like i had never watched uh i watched the crown like during the pandemic and then like pieces of woman came out at the end of 2020 so i feel like a lot of people have known who vanessa kirby is for a long time but i feel like she's still like new to me and i'm still discovering how how great how how talented uh she is so um italian studies is uh as as a guy who has made it one of my missions as a critic to champion adam leon's films i don't have to stop doing that uh in fact i have a new sort of uh, uh chapter a new facet of him to champion with italian studies so definitely check out italian studies if you get the chance all right and since i am apparently calling out run times it's only 78 minutes oh nice yeah all those movies are short uh, oh yeah and then i have one more um not a movie from 2021 or 2022. We got to go all the way back to 2015. Oh my. A different world. That's very true. Um, and I watched uh, Trey Edward Schultz, Krisha. I had seen Trey Edward Schultz. It comes at night in waves, right. but I hadn't seen the film that, you know, that, that his sort of, that started the, it all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and Krisha definitely has a lot more in common with waves than in it, it comes at night. It's because it comes at night is like sort of high concept, you know, post-apocalyptic type of, uh, of, uh, of thing thing, but it's also, it made me seeing this because when I watched it comes at night and then I saw waves, I was like, wow, this, they're so, these are so different other than both having Kelvin Harrison Jr. And then the very uh, different, um, movies, but, uh, I feel like Christian kind of like makes me realize like, Oh, okay. I, I get what his thing is. Like dysfunctional families are his thing. Tension, um, a hyperactive K 
camera. And then only it comes at night is officially like a movie you'd call a horror movie, but there's an element of dread in all of his movies. So Krisha is about a uh, woman. We learn more about her as it goes on, but at the beginning we learned she's come to her extended family's home. She's a woman in her sixties. She's come to her extended family's home for Thanksgiving and she has agreed to uh, prepare the Turkey for Thanksgiving dinner. And that's what the movie is about her preparing a Turkey, but also her reintegrating herself into her family. We come to, I don't want to give too much away for people who haven't seen it, but we, we come to realize she hasn't seen this family in a long time. There's maybe some like bridges that need to be reconstructed, some, <laughs> some, some uh, wounds that need to be healed between her and some members of this, of this family. And all of this is happening in this backdrop of her preparing a Turkey for, for Thanksgiving dinner. Um, and it seems very low key, but if you've seen, if you've seen waves, it's not to the extent of waves where waves has this, uh, like wide angle steady cam camera that is constantly pushing in and out and changing direction and floating around the characters. Um, the movie isn't quite as restless as, as waves, but it definitely has a lot of that. You've got a big family in a big suburban, uh, I think it's supposed to be Austin. I can't remember. It's, it's, some sort of Texas suburbs or it takes place, but it's a big suburban house and a camera and there's a lot of people and the camera's going uh, all through it. It's very hectic um, in a way that, that builds, builds tension that definitely speaking of movies being subjective uh, gets you inside how Krisha who presents herself as this sort of like, you know, post new age uh, uh, yeah. free spirit, but she's got a lot of anxiety about what's going on and, and, and a lot of pressure about this being her, her chance to get back in her family's good graces. And, uh, I think I really liked Trey Edward Schultz. I, I liked it comes at night. I was fascinated by waves. Now having seen all three, I think I like, I get it. I think I like this guy. All right. Yes. I've heard one. I I've heard wonderful things about, uh, it's Krisha, right? Cree, I think it's, I'm actually saying it wrong. I think it's pronounced Krisha. Krisha. It, okay. It's, it's an I, but it's like an, it's like an E sound. Krisha. Yeah. I think is how they say it. Yeah. I've heard wonderful things about it. I don't think I've seen any of his movies. I didn't even see it comes at night, which I, uh, which a lot of people said I should see, although there are plenty of people that were very bothered by it as well, yeah. who expected, but, you know, uh, a much more overt horror film. Right. Yeah. It's not that, but I think, I, honestly, I think you would like, waves a lot hmm. i'm trying to remember like that's one that i it, it always happens we've talked about it before like it's it's a priority uh that year but then other stuff just comes along you don't see it and then it just just evaporates from your head <laughs> and then someone's like hey do you remember waves like i do remember i didn't see it but i remember i i should i should prioritize that and it's always fun to to go back and see something like you like you just did uh and say like oh that was that was really good from a few years ago yeah um well i'm gonna um this is for my film independent blog actually mm-hmm. so i'm oh, gonna okay. watch waves so we'll talk about waves more on the next uh movie journal but okay. i will say uh 2019 great year for actress taylor russell you and i both really liked the escape uh escape room yeah yes we did and then she plays the <laughs> the younger sister to kevin harrison um okay. in 
in waves. And then I didn't see escape room two, but I feel like I feel like in 2019, I was like Taylor Russell next big thing. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm just not seeing the right things. Cause I really like her. What has she been in? Uh, Other than escape what, room was she in, was she in uh, escape room tournament of champions? I, be- yes. I don't believe it's called unless it's called two tournament of champions. <laughs> I think like, that's they, how like they do yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Um, oh, I see. So she's on the Netflix, uh, lost in space series. Oh, okay. That's what she's been doing with her time, which has been on for three seasons now, apparently. Um, wow. That, yeah. That's a, that's another, <laughs> that's another example. It happens more oh. with TV than movies like, yeah. where I'm curious about something, but just never try it out partially. Cause like, ah, but then like three seasons, like if I start it, then, and I yeah. like it now I'm committed. Well, apparently she was also in a movie from 2020 that you liked called words on bathroom walls. Oh yes. Okay. All right. Um, and I don't think it registered to me that that's, that's the, the, the actress from, uh, escape room. Um, but, uh, I was making a list the other day, uh, of 2021 movies that I, that I feel like I need to see. Yeah. And, uh, son of a bitch, if the second escape room didn't work its way onto that (laughs) list, it's like, why am I doing that? I don't think it's going to work. It's that it's going to be in my top 10, but you know what? I've been wrong before. Maybe it's, maybe I will love it just that much. Uh, and maybe I will like it more than my next film, which is Lin-Manuel Miranda's tick, tick, boom. Oh, which, uh, don't get me wrong. I, I mean to say that like, I did like this movie. Um, it's, it's not in my top 10, uh, but I liked it quite a bit. Um, uh, the, the whole cast is solid, but I mean, this movie definitely like lives and dies by, uh, Andrew Garfield's performance and he's fully committed. And I feel like we haven't seen him quite like this before we've seen, uh, even, even in stuff like Spider-Man, like we've seen him be very animated, but still a little bit reserved. Whereas, and this, you know, you will know what I'm talking about and maybe you felt this way as well. I had to reorient myself, uh, as, as like within probably the first 20 minutes, it took a minute for me to get to that point. Not because it was a musical because was like, right. Theater people. <laughs> yeah. I, it's been a while since I've like been inundated with theater people. Um, and you and I can both, and look, Hey, nothing wrong with theater people. They, they can be tremendously kind, but they often have an energy level, uh, a very specific type of energy that, uh, that is just ex- draining for me. Um, and this film is that, uh, not yeah, I, draining, but it, it has that energy level. And I had to, I had to yeah. reorient myself to that. I mean, to me, that's, a testament to how how right the movie got uh, that that hundred percent yeah oh the, i mean when they're like in his apartments and they're like all hanging out and having a party and then like uh, that's my favorite a, song too in the movie the it's th- this is the life i think is what the song is called uh yes i believe so i think that's my favorite song in the movie um but yeah and it's and it's well done but just the the it felt like a theater party to me so like yes and of course lin-manuel miranda would get that right i think right, right. um so I will say that, you know, if, if listeners, if you have a a low tolerance for theater energy, um, this might not be the movie for you. It took me a moment, but once I got into it, it's like, okay, here we go. Uh, I, I'm, I'm ready for the rest of this. And, uh, and I liked it. I thought it, I think I didn't, I think I didn't like a lot of the music. I didn't dislike it either, but I just, uh, Cause I've heard, cause I never saw rent, but I've, I've heard rent. Um, 
And I, those songs never really resonated with me either. And so it kind of stands to reason that these wouldn't, the sequences do, but the songs themselves, I think are, are fine. Uh, I'm not going to say they're bad. They're just not my kind of, of thing. Uh, so, you know, I, I feel that I'm, I'm being really negative about the movie. I, I definitely enjoyed it. I really, really responded to Andrew Garfield um, and some of the, some of the supporting performances, uh, Bradley Whitford shows up and I think does a wonderful job because he's playing uh, a guy that is difficult to play in, in some ways. I get, I don't know if I should spoil. I think you, I think you, if you don't, then I will. Okay. So yeah, he plays Steven Sondheim. Yeah. And if you've seen interviews with Steven Sondheim, you know that like there's just a real he just seems so uncomfortable in his own skin and yet somehow still confident. I don't know how that's yeah. possible. Yeah. Uh, and he plays that so well uh, that like it took me a moment to realize that that was Bradley Whitford. Um, but I think he does a really great job. Judith Light shows up as uh, like the essence of a theater agent. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe a little a little over the top there, but that didn't bother me because she has some really nice moments yeah um, richard so, kind too who had a has is kind of over the top in a way that i like yeah yeah so that's the thing is like everything this is not a situation where uh you know a a theatrical uh theatrical piece is stripped of its theatricality to be a movie instead it retains a lot of that partially because it takes place in that world and so the everything is heightened everything is a little bit a little a little higher and you just got to be ready for that uh but if you're able to to make that adjustment uh i think people will like the movie quite a bit do you know um so yeah bradley woodford plays stephen sondheim but there's a part where there's a <laughs> uh, answering machine machine message i almost said voicemail i don't remember it's the early 90s yeah there's an answering machine message that's not bradley woodford that is stephen sondheim. that is stephen sondheim yes have you heard that whole story uh no i haven't i mean i when i'll say this when i i didn't know going in that he had done that but when i heard it in the movie i was like that doesn't sound like bradley at first like you know what i'll bet that's actually stephen sondheim so the 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 story is that um there was a version of the movie where it was bradley whitford Mm -hmm. saying something that lin-manuel miranda had written Mm -hmm. and Lin-Manuel Miranda showed Stephen Sondheim an early version of the movie and Sondheim left him a voicemail saying, you know, I like the movie or whatever, but what you have me saying on the answering machine is not what I would have said. Here's what I would have said. And then he said it in the voicemail and basically as saying like, I think he was saying like, give this to Bradley Whitford and Lin-Manuel Miranda was like, uh, no, I'm just going to keep <laughs> yeah. saying it. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a fun it's a fun choice and I think a meaningful one uh, as well. Um, and then it's, it's also fun to, to like in the, di- in the extended diner uh, song. Yeah. Um, that was a, that just, was a surprise. I didn't just know about all that picking out all the theater uh, icons within that. And I'm sure there are some ones like, I don't know who that is. Yeah. I'm like, not enough of a theater person. There are some people that I definitely, uh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, by and large, I would, I'd say that I, that I enjoyed the movie and, and Andrew Garfield definitely deserves all the acclaim that he is getting. 